Welcome to episode 29 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm here with Adam Kurzenblatt, and we've got a jam-packed show for you today as uh, Adam and I are both just back from the Memorial Cup in Kamloops. Uh, as things turned out, we did not get a winner from the Dub, but we did get to see the final games of the year from both the Seattle Thunderbirds and the Kamloops Blazers. And uh, since those are the last games of the year involving WHL teams, we'll take you through those games and uh, the ins and outs nitty gritty in a little bit. Uh, we also have our WHL headlines coming up, some signing and trade news, and uh, then we'll cover the very busy Philadelphia Flyers as our NHL team of the week and finish up the podcast this week with Jaden Lipinski of the Vancouver Giants as our prospect of the week. Uh, but let's kick off with a little bit of chat about the Memorial Cup experience. It was a first uh, for both of us. And uh, I think the first big, real big tournament event for you, right, Adam? Yeah, I don't know how you would uh, classify the U17s, which we both did uh, earlier this year. Right. But yeah, this was a, you know, this was the first traveling tournament I've ever been to. And uh, yeah, it was super exciting to uh, watch uh, from when I got there till uh, the final. Uh, and uh, what were the the, the most mem most memorable moments of the of the event from your perch? Well, from my perspective, it's talking to the players and getting to do those uh, player interviews and subsequent articles. Uh, and then, you know, a cool story from that event was uh, Lucas Siona, captain of the Seattle Thunderbirds, after the Memorial Cup final, which we'll talk about later, coming up and telling me that him and his parents read the article and they liked it, and it was just kind of like that moment like oh players do read what we write about them in articles it's like you know that it's that when you put it out there anybody can read it but you don't really think about um like the actual player or like the parents of the players actually reading your articles uh and then of course being on the ice after the championship was handed out being ta talking to more players uh and speaking with patrick waugh was cool uh I never thought that that was going to happen, but uh, very happy after he uh, won. And uh, even though he got Gatorade dumped on him, uh, which I did <laughs> talk to Malatesta, James Malatesta about, uh, seemed to be in a good mood. And then, of course, you know, being able to watch the uh, tournament side by side with uh, you, Carol, you know, getting <laughs> to do the ins and outs, learn all the tricks of the trade and uh, work on the podcast notes like together rather than you know, right. One person writes something, then sends a message then the other person writes something. So it was very, uh, very cool experience start to finish. Yeah. So let's see if it actually, uh, if it shows in the end result, if we're a little bit uh, smoother than we are in some weeks, we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see, uh, producer Connor can be the final judge of, uh, of whether or not it actually has benefit. Uh, but yeah, it was awesome to spend some some real world time with you and to uh, enjoy the media meals, which I thought were very good by media meal standard, lots of fresh fruits and vegetables and uh, um, nice variety every day at the uh, at the arena for the uh, scribes and TV people that were on hand. Um, I've been to a few world championships in Europe and I did do one Stanley Cup final, but that was in the bubbles. So the whole social element of what we got to do interacting with people at this tournament, obviously, was really cool to me because this is probably the first major event that I've done that's been like 
full interaction since before the pandemic. And I probably appreciated it just that much more than uh, I ever had in the past. Um, the setup, like you said, of um, being able to go on the ice and talk to the players after the uh, Memorial Cup was awarded was fantastic because uh, I was a little bit worried about the controlled chaos idea at the beginning but once the um the family members and the girlfriends and the team staff are all allowed on the ice and everybody's just mingling around and taking selfies and chatting and talking on facetime with relatives from far away and everything else the guys are relaxed and there are no rush to go anywhere so you might have to wait a second for them to be free to talk to you after they finish chatting with their mom in switzerland but uh once they do you know Winning always puts people in a great mood and makes them happy to chat about all of the good things that have just happened to them. And uh, it was a real pleasure chatting with all the uh, all the Quebec guys, even though uh, it would have been even more fun if we had been able to do it with uh, with one of the teams from the WHL that we've been following so closely all year. Um, the other thing I really enjoyed about this tournament, of course, is the uh, the alumni factor in Kamloops. Um, all of the legends who won past Memorial Cups were on hand uh, watching the tournament and, and trying to motivate the Blazers to go on and taking part in the hot stoves and stuff. I got to do a um, an extended chat with Shane Doan for a story that I'm working on for the magazine, which was cool. And just seeing guys like Scott Niedermeyer and Dallas Aikens. And, um, and Dallas Aikens is from the Peterborough side, just to be clear. I've not suggesting that he played for the Kamloops Blazers. Um, Jerome Ginla was his usual cheerful, smiley self all around, and everybody was uh, was happy to see Jerome as well. And then, of course, the CHL Awards as well happened on uh, on Saturday, so that was another very cool thing to be able to uh, to to watch in person, especially where uh, the Dub did pretty well on that one with uh, with Connor Bedard becoming the first player ever to take home the player of the year, prospect of the year, and top scorer award all in one year. So um, all Connor has to do is show up for an hour one afternoon and he can still set some more records. Um, handled himself very well in the uh, in the media scrum afterwards. And uh, now I realize that uh, this last month he's been doing more than just working out and getting himself physically ready for the combine. He's also been uh, shopping for some sharp suits and, uh, uh, you know, getting his hair cut and, you know, maybe practicing a little bit how to answer all these questions for the media whirlwind that he has uh, coming up over the next few weeks. It was a little bit surreal to see him on uh, the Stanley Cup final broadcast in Vegas, you know, two nights after we saw him in Kamloops. Um, so, uh, you know, it's on to the combine for him and we'll continue to follow the Bedard story all the way up through the uh, through the draft for you. Um, as far as the other CHL awards, uh, only other one other winner from the WHL, and that was Olin Zellweger, a friend of the podcast from the Blazers, who uh, took home the CHL Defenseman of the Year award. Um, if I remember correctly, four of the other awards went to players from the OHL and three to players from the uh, from the queue. And Coach of the Year went to the OHL as well, so I'm counting that as, as one of the one of the four for the uh, for the Ontario League. So that was Memorial Cup. It was awesome. If you ever get a chance to go, you should totally go. Organizers did a great job, and uh, it was just a very fun hockey-centric experience, great way to spend a few days in Kamloops. Um, so now let's get to the headlines, and uh, I guess we'll start off with the uh, scouting combine, which is uh, kicking off in Buffalo. Yeah, so the NHL scouting combine has already started, and it runs through uh, Saturday. So we have 19 WHL players who are involved at the combine, including Connor Bedard, 
Um, total 106 players from this year's draft uh, involved, whether they be from the CHL, USHL, or over overseas. And then some of the players that were invited from the WHL side include Zach Benson, Nate Danielson, Carson Bjarnstrand, and uh, the prospect of the week we'll talk about a little bit later, and Jaden Lipinski. It's really, you know, this great event and excited to see what some of the results are from the players' physical testing and also interested to see which top prospects actually participate. Bedard has said that he is going to participate in the fitness testing, but, you know, players like Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Will Smith, other players who are expected to go in the top five, be interesting to see uh, how much they end up doing at the actual combine itself. Yeah, the fact that um, Carlson and Fantilli were with Bedard in Vegas on uh, on Monday suggests to me, and Will Smith, that uh, those guys, did I say that already? Anyways, those guys, uh, I am sure, are all heading to Buffalo together. Um, the interview section will be going on uh, for the team interviews over the next few days. Um, then Friday is the media day where the uh, the media that's on hand will get a chance to get their crack at, uh, at these prospects and start uh, collecting quotes that they can roll out in their pre-draft content for over the next few weeks. And then, as you said, uh, I always enjoy the, the physical testing day on Saturday. It's not they don't really do much on television with it because there's players rotating through stations all day. So it's not like you can really sort of, it's not a great TV moment, but um, if you find the live updates of the top 25 players in each category, you can sort of watch the stats get rolled out and, um, and they start that at seven 30 Eastern time on Saturday morning. So by the time we wake up here on the West coast, um, there's a good chunk of data that has already been collected and, and we'll have a good idea of who, has the best left grip strength and who is acing the uh, VO2 max test and whether or not there's anybody who, I'm not even sure they do the chin-ups the same way that they used to do them when uh, guys like Sam Bennett and Casey Middlestadt uh, had to sort of do the, do the walk of shame. But given that both of those guys have ended up having some pretty solid NHL careers, I don't think that uh, anybody's going to hold their, uh, their, their chin-up results against them at this point. And any player who doesn't uh, get the result that he's looking for in the physical testing on Saturday can, can look at those guys as examples of how that's not necessarily a make-or-break stage of the NHL, uh, NHL path. It's just uh, a stepping stone along the way. Um, back to the WHL, we've got some more signings that have happened over the last seven days. Yes, yeah, so we'll start with the uh, couple first-round picks. Carter Easler of the Spokane Chiefs, the first goaltender selected, uh, 22nd overall. He went, he signed, as well as Kane Welk, who uh, was picked 20th by the Everett Silvertips. Uh, Moose Jaw signed their first four uh, picks, including defenseman Aaron uh, Swatsky, who was taken 18th overall, and um, it will be interesting to watch over the next couple weeks because we'll talk about this um, when we get more information and maybe into next year with the BCHL deciding to be an independent league if there are some players that have committed to the BCHL. Well, actually, there is a player, we'll talk about him a little bit later in this podcast, that has already made the shift from the BCHL to the WHL, um, but with players wanting the opportunity to be at the uh, play with team Canada because the BCHL is no longer sanctioned by team Canada. They won't get that opportunity at the junior level. So uh, it's an interesting process that's going to be playing out over the couple weeks and uh, sure that we'll see some uh, more WHL signings over uh, yeah the next couple weeks. 
Yeah, definitely. It seems like uh, WHL teams are hungry for this opportunity where they can uh, can can push the idea that uh, a player who may have been looking at the BCHL and wanting to go the NCAA route um, may have a harder time getting onto Team Canada's radar going forward um, if they decide to do that now that the BCHL is going forward as an independent league that's not sanctioned by Hockey Canada. Um, the BCHL's goal in doing this is to try to position themselves as kind of an alternative to the USHL, the way that they were set as a um, as a regional league previously. They could really only mine players from BC and they want to be able to bring in um, NH or players on the NCAA path from other provinces and other regions as well and sort of create a, a, a standalone league that um, will create the same level of competition that the USHL has managed to build itself up to because they've really done a good job of that over the last few years. Um, it's kind of uncharted territory. It seems sort of terrifying that they're going out on their own and it seems like that that road could be fraught with potholes, but they've been talking about it for a while and they seem really convinced that this is going to be a good thing for the BCHL and is going to help them grow and thrive in their, in their own environment. So if they would be simultaneously pitching all these same players that the best thing for them is to stay in the VCHL while the uh, WHL teams are saying, no, no, come over here, do major junior. You can play on Hockey Canada. You can do all the high performance Hockey Canada programs. Um, we won't know for a while how it's all going to shake out, but for this year, any player who's in the BCHL will not be sanctioned for any high Hockey Canada events. So that's really the only thing that's been officially announced so far is just for the 2023-24 season. And we'll see how things go from there. Um, as far as um, the BCHL and uh, the Western League, there's another sort of turf war that is being discussed as well out in Chilliwack as uh, rumors have surfaced once again that... Uh, that there's an appetite to move the Winnipeg ice into uh, into the arena in Chilliwack where the BCHL's Chilliwack Chiefs play. And um, the Chiefs in February were very emphatic about the fact that nobody was kicking them out of their barn and that they weren't going to share. Um, but uh, now the Canucks owners, the Aquilinis, are being attached to this rumor. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how it's all going to shake out if this is just idle talk or if this is where there's smoke there's fire so um why what do you think do you think it, it, it could happen or no well from gathering some information once this uh once this newer rumor came out uh what i've what i've been told is that the aquilinis want to actually buy the chilliwack chiefs and essentially convert them to a whl team uh, as well that that's one of the options the argument around moving winnipeg back to bc uh that is a very um, I, I'm in conversations that I've had with people with people around the WHL. Uh, it seems like that is a very big long shot because they just relocated to Winnipeg. So if you're relocating Winnipeg to Chilliwack or back to BC, then essentially you're relocating two teams in the past 20 years uh, without giving them more than you know a seven eight year uh, run in their city. So. I understand the concerns around Winnipeg and the arena. The arena is not big enough whatsoever, but it, it seems that from people I've talked to that the WHL loves having multiple teams in Manitoba. And if we're really looking at relocation instead of Winnipeg going back to BC, you know, if it is Chilliwack or maybe somewhere in the Okanagan that they would just move somewhere else in Manitoba. Um, and 
also that just keeps the alignment of the league correct. You know, that way you don't have a balance uh, imbalance in divisions. Um, so there's just a lot of different uh, obstacles that would come from Winnipeg actually moving to BC. Uh, so right now I, I would say that the best bet is that if Winnipeg is going to relocate, it would be somewhere to another uh, Manitoba-based city. Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, the league certainly has to be frustrated with the fact that the promises that were made about um, getting a better arena situation for the ice haven't come to pass. And it's been, I think, about four years now. So, um, you know, I've, I've read that there have been fines issued and there's been some pressure put on, but there hasn't been anything that has really sort of shifted from the... Um, from the Winnipeg ISIS point of view. Um, from my point of view, I think I can't see why they can't play in Canada Life Center along with the Moose and the Jets because um, the that's the model that's working in Calgary where they have the Calgary Wranglers and the Flames and the Hitmen all playing out of the Saddle Dome at the moment. So it's schedule-wise, it's doable that you could do it. And, uh, you know, in terms of things to do in Winnipeg in the winter, I, you know, I'm sure they could uh, sustain hockey every day if, um, among their uh, among their fan base if that's what it took. And especially with the ice being as, uh, as strong of a team as they've been for a while so um it'll be interesting to see it makes sense to me that the aquilinis would want to get involved in chilliwack what with the um the abbotsford canucks having been such a success when they landed um in the the ahl franchise in the fraser valley and for the aquilinis i'm you know i always think of every move they make as like a real estate play too that if they were going to buy the chiefs they'd probably also buy the arena and then they might start using the surrounding land to put up townhouses and that sort of thing and and build Building out their real estate and business. So I, you know, with, with them, the Abbotsford thing happened very quickly after years of thinking that it wasn't going to happen. So um, there, there may be some, some smoke here and it's just something that we'll need to keep more of an eye on uh, going forward. Um, now we've got, uh, we've got a trade last week that uh, happened while we were recording and, uh, and, and talking about this player as a, a New York Rangers prospect. By the time we finished recording and the podcast dropped, he was not a Rangers prospect anymore. Yeah. So um, Jaden Groob, uh, was traded to the Edmonton Oilers for a 2023 fifth round pick and then immediately signed as ELC. Uh, Alberta boy from Calgary. He was uh, part of the Red Deer Rebels for the last uh, couple of years in the dub. Uh, as yeah, as you mentioned, we talked about him because there was a we didn't know if the New York Rangers were going to be able to sign him before his rights were relinquished. They obviously didn't. They uh, traded him to Edmonton, who uh, swiftly jumped on the opportunity to sign him. Um, and when we're looking at uh, Groob's future, he can play in the WHL next year, but because he signed that um, a that contract, the entry level contract, when we when there are overagers who have signed that contract, it's a good indication that they won't be back in the WHL next year. Uh, more often than not, they're pro bound, so we'll definitely have to watch where Edmonton puts a uh, Groob uh, next season. Okay, and then uh, in the WHL, we had a couple of trades this week as well. Yeah, so we'll start with, um, like we talked about, a player that uh, is joining the WHL from the BCHL. So the Rockets traded for and then signed uh, Hiro Hiroki uh, Goisik, who uh, was drafted by the Royals 23rd in uh, 2021. He was traded for a 2025 second round pick and 2027 uh, fifth rounder. He uh, was playing in the BCHL with the Penticton Vs, you know, that powerhouse Penticton Vs, and looking to go down that. NCAA track. Kelowna was able to convince him to come to the uh, WHL. 
uh, listed at 6'3", 187-pound uh, forward. Uh, this is a guy who's going to look great next to uh, Andrew Crystal uh, next season in uh, Kelowna. So you got to think that maybe that played a role, being able to play with uh, one of the potential top prospects from this upcoming uh, draft. Yep. And then uh, we'll jump over to Saskatoon where two trades were made. So first was uh, Connor Roulette. Uh, was sent to the Spokane Chiefs for a 2024 second rounder and 2027 uh, third rounder. Had 60 point, uh, 63 points in 60 regular season games uh, well, before posting seven in 18 games. Five foot 11, 181 pound winger uh, was a Dallas Stars fourth round pick in 2021, but now he's on the open market as they chose to relinquish his rights. And uh, Saskatoon also traded Justin Lees. Uh, six foot one, two hundred five pound uh, forward over to the Victoria Royals in exchange for a third round pick in twenty twenty six. Twenty three points in fifty six games during the regular season, and then five uh, or four points in five playoff games. Another overager for next season. Uh, Lee's brings a physical presence, and uh, the hope is that he'll become a leader on that young Victoria Royals team. Um, and just another quick note about Victoria as well. I don't know if you saw the news on Monday. They announced that uh, Victoria is going to be the host city for Hockey Day in Canada this year. So uh, the Royals will be at the, at the center of all that activity. And uh, that's another uh, huge event that we can drive to. So uh, that should be fun. I'm looking forward to that now, too. Yes, uh a little bit of a ferry ride or, you know, you can take the beautiful uh, seaplane over, but definitely uh, going to be an exciting event for the community. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now let's get on to the, the, the Memorial Cup. We are going to run through each of the games that were played by uh, Seattle and Kamloops, um, starting off with their head-to-head -head matchup from the round robin last Wednesday. Yeah, so um, this was the first game I got to attend in person, so really exciting. Um, Seattle defeated Kamloops in the final game of the round robin, 6-1. Uh, to one. Luke Prokop was named player of the game after he scored his first goal of the tournament and finished the game as a plus, uh, minus plus three. Um, with the score 6-1, Kamloops pulled starting goaltender Dylan Ernst uh, with just under two minutes left to give uh, Matthew uh, Kuiper a chance to play in the tournament, which was, you know, nice to see. Um, get everybody involved in this opportunity. Um, and one thing that was clear was that these two teams don't like each other. It's it's kind of hard when you don't watch in person when you're watching over the stream. This was the first time I watched a live Kamloops Seattle game, but you know you saw things like uh, Dylan Kiefler doing little slashes on Dylan Gunther as he was going up the ice. Uh, Lucas Siona uh, and Olin Zellweger getting into posts scrum battles, lots of yelling back and forth between the benches. So you could tell that there was a little animosity that played over uh, from that uh, WHL series. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a great experience to watch. Uh, lots of uh, go Blazer go chance, not a lot of go T-Birds go chance, but there was a good amount of Seattle fans there. So always exciting to watch that WHL matchup at the Memorial Cup. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the uh, the acoustics in the arena in Kamloops are actually pretty great for uh, for on-ice chatter. I don't know what it is about the way the press box is set up opposite the benches, but uh, when players got hurt, you could hear them, you know, sort of screaming or yelling or, you know, ow, things like that. And uh, couldn't uh, couldn't quite pick up all of the trash talk, but uh, definitely we got to hear more of the of the voices and the the the, the on-ice nitty-gritty than uh, than you do in a lot of situations. So. Um, um, Sandman Center, thumbs up for that. 
Uh, yeah, and I don't think we would be able to uh, repeat much of the uh, trash talk that was going on the ice uh, <laughs> on this podcast. True. So let's jump over to the tiebreaker game on Thursday, which was the first one that you, Carol, were able to attend in person. Um, so first game went to overtime in the tournaments, and the Peets shocked the Blazers 5-4. Uh, you could hear a pin drop in that arena when uh, the overtime goal went in. So that was definitely a interesting experience to be there and just watch kind of the disbelief on everybody's uh, face Uh and especially because Kamloops built up a 4-1 lead in the early stages of the second. Uh, but Peterborough, you know, I know that uh, it's a little bit cheesy, but those pesky Peets just kept uh, pushing and they scored four straight, including the winner. That was uh, scored by, you know, we're going to talk about the Flyers later, but another prospect, J.R. Avon, um, with the winner. Um, and then Michael Simpson, amazing tournament. 43 uh, saves on 47 shots, including 10 in overtime, and was named the player of the game. Uh, and then, you know, this is kind of the sad part of the Memorial Cup. Uh, final game for a lot of players. Um, very potentially, Logan Stankoven and Oleg Zellweger played their final games in the CHL. They're both signed to um, entry-level contracts. They would be both entering their overagers uh, season. Um, based off of what I've been hearing from around uh, the league and different uh, people is that both are headed to the AHL or NHL next season. Logan Stankoven kind of mentioned that in his presser, talking about how he believes this is his last game in the WHL. Um, and if it is his last game, you know, uh, one of the best, I would say one of the best Blazers in history, 12 full time in their scoring with uh, 260 regular season points in 179 games and just a great ambassador for the city of Kamloops. Yeah, I wrote about uh, about Stan Coven in my uh, memorable performances piece because I don't think there was anybody in the tournament who had more pressure on them than he did as uh, a hometown boy who's played in his hometown as captain for the Blazers um, for the last two years. And uh, to lose in overtime like that, it was, as you said, it was really emotional when he came in to do the post-game media, still wearing his, his full gear and still with like a shell shock look on his face that everything had sort of been taken away from him so abruptly. Like even if you're losing in a game and you sort of have it in your head that the game's going to end and it's going to be over, that's one thing. But, you know, in an overtime situation, I think that players tend to always believe that they're going to come out on top until you know probably three days later when they realized that they didn't and that there's no next game to sort of go forward on that so um Stankoven said in his post-game media that uh, it kind of hadn't sunk in yet and uh, I'm guessing that uh, it's going to be a bit of a process for him to sort of work his way through all of those emotions if there's any sort of positive for him of course it's the fact that the Blazers are owned by the same owner as the team that drafted him in the NHL the Dallas Stars and uh, Tom Gillardi was around at the tournament as well um, and doing quite a few VIP events and stuff like that, as one would expect the uh, owner of the host team to be doing. Um, so he's well aware of, uh, of what Sankoven has meant to the Kamloops community and probably understands that even if he didn't finish on top and, and go out with that Memorial Cup title on home ice that he had been dreaming of, um, he certainly has the, uh, the, the, the wherewithal to uh, possibly make an impact at the NHL level. Um, even though he didn't play in the, uh, in the tournament uh, final games, the semifinal or the final, Stankoven still finished as the uh, Memorial Cup leading scorer 
score with nine points too, because he had a, a, a five point game earlier on in the tournament against Peterborough. So uh, yeah, but, you know, bittersweet for him, I'm sure. But at some point he's going to realize that this was all a really great memory. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's he, he, he was a special player in the WHL and uh, definitely excited to see what he can uh, bring at the next level. So let's jump into the semifinals, which happened on uh, Friday, and that was the Seattle Thunderbirds versus the Peterborough Peets. Um, not as close of a game as the Kamloops versus Peets game, as Seattle walked away with a 4-1 win, um, and they uh, were pretty dominant in the game. They outshot Peterborough 47-28, to uh, with Colm Dock scoring the winner uh, minute 28 into the third period. Uh, also, um, for all Winnipeg Jet fans, Brad Lambert, got on the score sheet in that game. So uh, that's a positive for him. And uh, Kyle Krenkovic, who uh, developed into uh, maybe my favorite player over the playoffs uh, for the Seattle Thunderbirds. He won his second player of the game after scoring a goal and uh, providing the primary assist on uh, Doc's win there. Um, yeah, Michael Smith, Michael Simpson of Peterborough just mentioned, just absolutely fantastic. Uh, held Peterborough in as long as they could. And Millage, wasn't super busy, but he did what he needed to do to push uh, Seattle to the final, stopping 27 of the 28 shots he faced. And then uh, moving into the Memorial Cup final on Sunday. So this is where um, the Quebec Ramparts uh, defeated the Seattle Thunderbirds 5 to nothing. Um, this was just... it. This was an awesome game to watch, not because of the score, just because of how Quebec executed their game plan near perfectly and were just able to create tournament uh, turnovers and shut down Seattle's players. I saw a stat that said that they hold, held Seattle to zero odd man rushes all game. Like wow. the Seattle Thunderbirds. Yeah. This is, yeah. Like that's just incredible to think uh, looking back. Uh, they played with arguably the most structure that any junior team I've ever seen has played. Uh, and uh, they became the just the second team all year to um, shut out the Seattle Thunderbirds with the first coming back in early February, um, thanks to Tyler Palmer's uh, 35 save shutout um, when Everett beat Seattle one nothing. Um, uh, some notes from that game: James Malatesta, the Columbus Blue Jackets um, prospect, was named uh, Memorial Cup MVP after he finished the tournament with five goals. Uh, he was also the one, as I mentioned, that got a poor Gatorade on uh, Patrick Waugh after the game. I got a great quote from him. Uh, he said that pouring the Gatorade over Patrick Waugh was uh, better than scoring a goal in that uh, Memorial Cup final. <laughs> so that's all, and that kind of tells you a little bit about uh, the relationship that Waugh has with his uh, team. It's Patrick Waugh's second uh, Memorial Cup as Quebec Ramparts coach with the previous one coming in 2006. Um, and it's also the uh, second straight time uh, the WHL has hosted the Memorial Cup and been shut out by the queue in uh, the final with that one coming uh, by the uh, Acadie uh, Bathurst uh, Tetons back in 2018 when they shut out Regina. And now four straight Memorial Cups for the QMJHL. Uh, I mean, it would be nice to watch somebody else win. Like, uh, but you got to give it up to the queue for producing four straight Memorial Cup championships. Like that is pretty uh, unreal. 
especially when it's come over the course of six years as well when uh, we had that two two year interlude with no tournament because of covid so in some ways the dominance i mean it certainly when you think of how junior hockey goes in cycles this has gone like across more than one player cycle more than one complete player cycle that the queue has been able to still dominate and yeah i liked our chances for the dub going in especially with 50 percent of the teams in the tournament um and with seattle having been as dominant as they were in the regular season but like you said uh quebec was really played a really really strong game and uh they were well prepared um, and they did a great job too of utilizing their rest days. They had four days off before the, uh, the championship game and uh, Patrick Wass said he gave them, I think two days off completely and some relaxed time. And then when they got back to practice two days before the, uh, the championship game, the guys were ready and committed and focused and uh, sort of gave it their all. So um you know, full full credit to them, and and you can't uh, when you win five nothing. There's not much doubt about who was the better team on uh, on that given day. So, uh, congratulations to uh, to to the Remparts, and they seem like a really really nice bunch of kids. And uh, again, as the uh, as Quebec City continues to wait for its opportunity to get back into the NHL, it was pretty cool to see the uh, massive uh, crowd crowd support at their uh you know homecoming uh on monday back in quebec city as well uh, not quite at the latvia level i don't think but uh but still pretty cool yeah um gotta give it up to quebec uh they know how to party that's for sure and i'm sure that uh it was a fun time on that uh plane ride home yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to our uh, team of the week. The uh, Philadelphia Flyers are making things difficult for us uh, as we record on Tuesday by getting a jump on the uh, off-season trade situation. Um, uh, former WHLer Ivan Provorov is no longer a member of the Flyers. He has moved on to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, while there were rumors that uh, former Dub legend Carter Hart might be on the move as well, it seems like um, if that trade is to happen, it's, uh, the conversations are at a more exploratory level right now. And uh, we may see something happen with Hart as the summer goes on. But uh, uh, knock on wood, he will still be a Flyer by the time this podcast drops on Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll run through the list um, as of Tuesday at around 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, so one WHL pr prospect uh, who played this year, that's Prince George Wright shot defenseman Ethan Sampson. Uh, 2021 sixth rounder is listed at 6'1", 183 pounds, and uh, had a career year with 60 points in 60 games. Uh, the 19-year-old was signed by Philadelphia last winter and uh, should make the transition to the AHL next season just like players like Stankoven, Groob, uh, Zellweger. Um, so we'll see kind of where all of them end up. Uh, they also had Connor McClellan, who uh, sixth round uh, back in 2020. Uh, he was part of the Flyers organization, but uh, this season he wasn't part of their organization as they relinquished his rights um, last offseason. And as of May 31st, he has a AHL deal. He's going to be with the uh, Chicago Wolves of the AHL next year after recording 92 points in 64 games uh, with Winnipeg this season. 
Yeah, and before uh, before we move on to the NHL players, I do want to say, even though he's not a dub guy, uh, I do want to give a shout out to J.R. Avon, the uh, the Flyers prospect, who uh, um, really showed himself well for Peterborough in the uh, in the Memorial Cup tournament. He's got speed to burn, great hands, and um, he was signed as a free agent by the prospect by the Flyers um, during the pandemic. So they've they've got a good one there. He's a player that uh, that fans should keep an eye on. Uh, yes, so we'll jump over to the NHL, which now has four players uh, after the uh, Provorov move. So we'll start with uh, Carter Hart, of course, a legend with the Everett Silvertips. Uh, five years in the WHL and was the WHL goaltender of the year three of those years. So, I mean, that just shows you how good he was at the WHL level. And then he really, you know, he took it up a notch. He was back-to-back CHL goaltender of the year. So... I mean, like Carter Hart are arguably one of the best CHL uh, goaltenders of the last, I would say, decade Um, now in Philadelphia or when he played. He's been uh, in the NHL for a little bit now. But yeah, um, it was exciting to watch Carter Hart play in the WHL Uh, this season. He did have a bounce back year um, with 22 wins and a save percentage of uh, 907. So it's uh, nice to see him getting back to where he uh, where he was when he kind of first entered the league um, and excited to see, I guess, where he ends up. And then the other, um, we also had uh, Travis Sanheim, uh, defenseman uh, from the Calgary Hitman program, 81 games from the Flyers this season, had seven goals and 23 uh, points. Um, another player who kind of had a down year in Philadelphia, uh, but I, you know, the Flyers didn't have a great year all around. So that's not, too surprising and hopefully he can bounce back uh when next season uh whatever this team whatever this flyers team looks like uh some other whl alumni include uh igor zamula and portland winterhawks uh Kiefer bellows who both played at the nhl level while the phantoms had six players including bellows and uh, zamula including uh regina captain adam brooks uh jordy uh Bellarive of uh, Lethbridge, Wyatt Welly of Everett, and goalie Nolan Mayer uh, from the Saskatoon Blades on their roster this past season. Yeah, the um, the Flyers have had had pretty strong roots with the Dub um, over the years, so it'll be interesting to see with their new uh, management group, with t- new team president Keith Jones and uh, and GM Danny Briere, if that uh, if that continues at this draft, um, or if they start to sort of shift in other other directions. Ethan Sampson's been a real fine for them. He has really stepped up his game in the two years since he was drafted as well. Um, all right, one more segment to go today, and that's our prospect of the week. Um, back to your home turf with the Vancouver Giants, and I know you have a real fondness for uh, for Jaden Lipinski. Yes, um, I am a big Jaden Lipinski fan. I have been since the I watched him play his first game, uh, watched him develop to the player he has become, which is uh, really special. One of the best, uh, one of the most articulate and nice people you'll meet in. Uh, prospects that you'll meet you know always willing to uh I at one time asked him to just to text me over a quote and instead he called me and gave me a you know seven minute interview where he uh gave me long answers and so like that's just the type of guy that he is um he did uh drop a little bit in the rankings from 49th to 38th um so that's more just everybody else kind of, like the draft kind of rebalancing itself after all the hype that came out of the WHL. Uh, it also didn't help that he had such a short playoff run 
um, while other players did. So that is not super surprising. Um, we've seen it with a lot of WHL players where they have dropped in, from the midterms to the final. Um, listed at six foot three, 198 pounds. Uh, his story to the Giants is interesting because he was never drafted, but because he played with Colton Lankow, uh, the son of former NHLer Damon Lankow, with the Phoenix Junior Coyotes, uh, the Giants saw him and drafted him. So they had already drafted Lankow, uh, went down to watch him play, and were like, hey, this other kid looks pretty good. Uh, he was not 6'3 when they brought him in, I can tell you that. He's uh, he's grown. He's had a massive growth spurt. Uh, so it se- that seems to have worked out uh, well for um, the Giants. He was at the top prospects game this year, put up a career-high 51 points in 66 games, and uh, is going to be one of those players to watch at the uh, draft combine this week. Um, yeah, and, and I like Lipinski's story too, just as a kid from Arizona. And this is another example of the, the grassroots program where you've got former Coyotes players like Damon Lanka who end up staying in the Phoenix, Arizona area after they retire. The Junior Coyotes program, you know, is home to all these legacy kids or Nepo babies, I guess, if we want to call them that, like uh, like Colton Lanka. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's his buddy Lipinski who ends up being the, uh, the, the better hockey player of the two and uh, has really made a name for himself with the Giants while, uh, while Lanko is, I think, a year older and undrafted. Um, and now Lipinski has a chance to go, you know, sort of in the top, top two rounds, top few rounds anyways, and uh, show what he's got at the, uh, at the combine. Maybe, uh, maybe he's going to be the guy who dazzles us with his grip strength and uh, earns himself a good jump up the rankings and shocks all the experts on draft days. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's, I, I, Lipinski's story is pretty cool. Um, I can't wait to dig into all that physical testing data when it starts to drop on Saturday. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, they, they they start things early out in Buffalo, so we'll have uh, we'll have lots to look at as soon as we get out of bed on Saturday morning. We'll review those combine results in next week's show. And uh, now with uh, all WHL games over, boohoo, and the draft coming up quickly, we will hone in on some more prospect info that you should know before the uh, big week in Nashville coming up at the end of the month. So. As always, thanks for listening to uh, THN on the dub brought to you by BetMGM. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and to check out past episodes of our show and all the others in our Hockey News podcast family, you can go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and we will talk to you again soon.